Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro. If you haven't noticed, we've been on a bit of a hiatus over the past couple weeks as we prepare new episodes and new guests for the new year. But before the new year, we wanted to leave you with a special treat. We have a brand new episode of the show for you, hosted by the Block's Director of Research, Larry Cermak, and the Block Research's Mika Hankasalo. They're joined by none other than NBA star, legend, crypto enthusiast, Spencer Didwitty, who joins the show to talk about his crypto journey, how he was introduced to Bitcoin in early 2017 by a city banker, and why he doesn't regret buying Bitcoin when it was first pitched to him. It's a very good combo. I'm sure you're going to like this episode. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed listening to it, and I'm sure you will too. Enjoy the episode. Don't forget to download and share with your friends, and we'll see you in 2021. We're super excited to have Spencer Dimity with us on the Blocks podcast. We're joined with Mika from the Blocks research team, and we're going to be talking to Spencer about his journey through crypto, about his new company, and about anything that he really wants to talk to us about. So Spencer really needs no introduction. His Twitter bio says, that guy with a jump shot. He's a great NBA player, plays for the Brooklyn Nets, along with KD and Kyrie Irving. And he's also been in crypto since 2017. So uh, welcome, Spencer. It's great to have you on, and and I guess to kick things off, we're really interested in how you got introduced to crypto. I know you started really early on, much earlier than almost everyone else, early 2017. Mm-hmm. So if you can tell us briefly about you know what caught your interest in crypto, I know you also enjoy Bitcoin. So anything you can tell us about your early kind of discovery of crypto and how you got into space? Um, definitely. So I have a friend in finance, works at Citibank that. Uh, uh, initially told me about Bitcoin back in 2014, um, as soon as I got in the NBA, and he was like, hey, put some money in this, blah, blah. And don't be wrong, I trust my friend, but I also heard all the horror stories of, you know, NBA players losing all their money, stuff like that. So I was like, no way, too scared, blah, blah, and, and didn't even put much thought into it. Didn't, like he, Because he had only told me the name. I didn't research the technology. I didn't even really, you know, put too much thought into it. I just kind of was like, no, I'm not doing it, but thank you. Maybe I'll circle back in a couple of years or whatever. But really kind of blew it off unfortunately. Um, so fast forward 2017, I'm having a conversation with that same friend. I, I had now, um, you know, did two years in Detroit. I had my first like little solid season with the Nets. I was kind of feeling kind of stable, you know, in, in the NBA and had another conversation right. with him in early 2017. He was like, man, I'm telling you, just just put a little bit of money in it, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, why, why not? Right. So it's kind of like Vegas gambling money. I put a little bit in um, obviously, you know, 2017 had the famous run-up, and then obviously also the crash in early 2018. Um, so, you know, I wrote it up and down, not really knowing what I was doing or, or really having done too much research at the time. Um, so I made I made a little bit of money, nothing too, too crazy or life-changing, but it definitely kind of piqued my interest from a monetary perspective, just looking at the boom. And then obviously there's a pop. That's what inspired me to learn, you know. And then once you start to really learn about it, Bitcoin versus kind of blockchain in general, what the technology means, what it can do the other cryptocurrencies out there, other, you know, blockchain tokens out there. And, and I really started to technology and realized that it made sense to me. You know what I mean? The premises yeah. of liquidity and transparency and, and, and those type of things and, and everything kind of being a chip on the table really just made sense in my mind. And, and then once that happened, like I was just completely down the rabbit hole, right? So, you know, I understand yeah. Bitcoin's uh, benefit as a store of value and probably the only, I would say, probably viable current alternative currency right now like if we're being completely honest, while the other tokens right. have like, you know, 
other other stuff that they're trying to do you know bitcoin is kind of like doing its intended purpose but but just like i said once you dive into technology you start doing what most people do right how can i apply something that i've learned about and studied and think is beneficial to society into my piece of society or my specific demographic which is the entertainment industry and you know that's kind of how my various uh project well, well really the project itself that just has a lot of components to it um, was born quite honestly like how can i implement blockchain into the entertainment industry um and solve some of these pain point issues of, of just kind of making this you know fan and creator experience even more seamless right yeah i think to jump into what you mentioned about your business ventures into the blockchain space uh that's a good bridge to galaxy that you've been working on and that we're expected to see it come out at some point soon can you talk a bit more about like how that works what was the inspiration behind it and and sort of your thinking there so pretty much once once again talking to that same friend in finance and, and looking at you know just just the creators in general right and once again specifically the nba because that's uh what i know best and where my network is strongest you know democratizing sports contracts um involving fans in just all your different dealings right so i kind of did that fun gofundme thing uh, that made newsways obviously you know, I, I made the price of streaming high, so I wouldn't reach the target. But but just all these types of new ways of thinking in, in kind of this real fancy sports era and, and you know, involving the fans in the journey more so than, than has ever been done before. And, and I wanted to create a platform and a system where essentially, you know, a fan could say, hey, I want to do something as low lift as like buy a follow on Twitter. Like, hey, Spencer, I'll give you a dollar to follow me on Twitter. Or as high lift as, you know, I want to buy a share in your contract, you know what I'm saying? And anywhere in between. So that that's kind of where you want to go. And obviously that does hit kind of two separate lines of regulations, one being utility or subscription rather, and one being securities, full-blown securities. So there, there's a lot of nuance there in, in accomplishing and tackling that type of platform. I really feel like if you get the user experience right, because you're talking about the overall creator economy, you have a lot of uh, opportunity there to create something that, that fans really love. Just kind of, trying to eliminate as much friction as possible because when you look at fans like they want to be a part of action that's just what it is like it's, it's that simple they want to be a part of the athlete a part of the team part of all that stuff and, and the more you involve them the more robust the, the industry is because at the end of the day if they spend their money we have a job and if they don't we don't <laughs> yeah yeah i mean even with your first kind of attempt to tokenize your own contract there was so much interest i mean i was following it really closely early on and you know in different subreddits on twitter Almost everyone was trying to get involved, obviously, up until the NBA stopped it. But it's it's apparent that there is some sort of interest for this kind of application. And also, you know, you see it in different areas. I mean, you've talked about this in other videos and podcasts, you know, Cameo, for example, really successful. And so, you know, how would your app actually specifically use blockchain technology and, and different tokens to make this work? How does blockchain help in this case? So remember, like, number one, when you're talking about securing a contract and the, the movement towards digital security is not just in, um, you know, entertainment industry, but across uh, various different industries, right? Because of the purposes of liquidity, transparency, the ease of trading, like all the other stuff and um, that, that trustless trust. So, you know, you can use a real estate industry, for example, like this is, this is kind of, this is coming, you know what I'm saying? I'm just applying it to a specific piece of, uh, you know, the economy that I can kind of target. Now um, on the flip side, on the utility side, our pie in the sky, 20 year vision, is kind of be becoming that standard for like personal tokenization, right? I know that sounds kind of far out there, a little bit crazy, um, but that's what you're going to kind of set everything up to possibly be. 
so you're you're laying the rails with the technology so that one day hopefully like you can turn them on and and use them on subscription side not near as necessary obviously but on the security side definitely necessary because i want at some point in time a share in a spencer contract to trade for a share in a lebron contract for possibly a share in you know larry's equity holdings in the block you know what i mean like you, you, you never know like it, it can it can get pretty crazy when you start to really talk about that but you know all my dealings are pretty much centered around the, the individual so you know for all the people trying to tokenize trillions of dollars in real estate you know i'm, I'm not really in that uh line of work my mind is all about kind of the person the individual and and maximizing that type of economy. This idea of going long different people or athletes you support or musicians that you love and and everyone probably, you know, has like this like a person they were sort of an early supporter of and it would be really great to like be able to participate financially also in that person's success via some method like this. And I think this is something that really brings like fan engagement to the next level. I don't know if you've had like talks with the NBA or something yeah, but like, what do you see as the future of fan engagement with these sorts of tools and how it's becoming bigger and, and that sort of thing? Well, I mean, obviously, hopefully from a, from a monetary perspective, I hope we are the future of fan engagement, quite honestly. That would uh, <laughs> make us a very successful company and, and um, you know, just well, wealthy, quite honestly. But uh, <laughs> from, from the NBA's perspective, remember, like, they, they stopped a lot of what I was trying to do at first, but then they also... Um, allowed me to proceed and, and go forward with a bond-like structure, but they kind of viewed it as a pilot, you know, and it's like any legacy system, right? So whenever you're going to do something, typically speaking, legacy system says, no, we're not going to do it, right? Why? Because number one, they didn't think of it first. And number two, they're too slow moving to do it as fast as you can do it. So they try to stop it. Well, if you show a little bit of resilience, seeing that you're still going to do it, then they kind of come back to the table and they're like, hey, look, how can we do this effectively together? And, and that was my whole thing too. And, and why I didn't, you know, blast them or go crazy on them or anything like that. And my message has been very simple and very clear. Like, my goal is to work with the leagues. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying yeah. death to the NBA, death to the NFL. Like, I want to work with them. <laughs> and so, you know, that that's how I was still able to kind of go forward with the structure that I did because they viewed it as a pilot. And, and obviously, it, it went on and, and did what it needed to do to allow it to kind of springboard into the overall company. And, and you know, we, we still have talks with them on a semi-consistent basis of just how we can kind of scale this. I, I really do believe on the on the athlete side, you can get into real entertainment trading, you know, say real fantasy sports, you know, people right. playing FanDuel and, and DraftKings all the time right now. But what happens when, you know, there's a share of these people's contracts on the line and it's not so much about like, you know, really affecting them because obviously they had that, that liquidity up front. But now, you know, with the profit being split both between player and fan as they do well, and the fan uh, has monetary uh, a gain from doing well as well. Like everybody's just that more invested in, in the overall upward trajectory of the person. Yeah, um, and, and obviously, you know, you need fans for this to work, but you also need the NBA players and you need the, the influencers and all of that. So have you talked to any other, you know, NBA players or other athletes that might be interested in, in participating in, in, you know, this company and, and this project going forward? Oh, yeah, we have over, it's either over 40 or over 50 LOI signed right now um, of creators from different demographics that, that want to be a part of the platform. And, and, you know, are going to want to interact with their fan base on the platform. So, you know, we, we have, even though we're still technically in a stealth mode, we have a pretty robust system being built and a pretty comprehensive, like, go-to-market strategy. So we're pretty excited about it. You know what I'm saying? A number of NFL players, yeah. you know, a number of NBA players, YouTubers, you know, Twitch gamers, stuff like that, you know, across the board. And, and so it's going to be really interesting to see, well, honestly, like, which, which fan bases take to it the most, you know, and on all that type of stuff, all that discovery. You know, once we're able to kind of really go live and go to market, like 
yeah, that's going to probably be the most fun part. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I guess another thing I wanted to ask you, you know, like I said, your Twitter bio says a tech guy with a jump shot. Um, you know, you must be spending incredible amount of time working, practicing right now just with the NBA. So what's your time split right now? Like how much do you spend planning all of this, working for Galaxy? And then, then how much do you spend right now on, you know, just going to practices? And, and, and even then you also have a family. So I'm, I'm kind of like struggling yeah. to even think like how you can juggle so many different things at once. Well, so, you know, obviously on the Galaxy side, we do have a great team, but pretty much it's like from eight to three or so, I do my basketball stuff. And then from approximately three, and obviously today's a little bit different because I had some extra stuff to do, but from three to let's call it 8 p.m., I, I do my Galaxy stuff. And then, you know, I kind of take these Zoom calls and all this other stuff. I, I think one of the benefits of, of COVID for me personally is, you know, now instead of sitting down and, and doing these interviews and these podcasts and things of that nature, I, I'm now doing them uh, virtually. So. You know, sometimes when I'm having these these large group calls, I will be, you know, watching my son uh, play, you know, with his toys or something like that and have to call him mute. Um, you know, with this being interactive, obviously I'm not doing that right now, but um, that, that's just kind of how I juggle. You know, I, I pretty much go straight home for my time at home. And, you know, from let's call it three to eight, you know, I try to spend time with my son um, when, when, it, when he's in town and when I have him. And um, other than that, you know, relax and get ready for the next day. I am fascinated about this, how like, I think this has been a recent trend that I've noticed in the NBA and maybe people sometimes use also like the term player empowerment to describe this a little bit. But what I see you doing is sort of an extension of this where with these business ventures and the things you're talking about, that you see yourself as more than just a basketball player. And I don't know, is that something that you talk to other uh, players a lot about? Are they also like interested in like how to better get into different kinds of business lines and manage their money and businesses better? Oh, definitely. Definitely. There's a, there's a lot of players out there that have a lot of different passions and, and things like that. And what we're, what we're now just starting to see is uh, these guys really attack them. I think um, with the way the LeBrons, the KDs, the Kobe's, even the Michael Jordan stuff kind of leverage their brand and also become, uh, you know, prominent businessmen, um, it, it really helped them and pave the way for this next set of guys as investors and also, uh, in my case, obviously a founder. When you look at you know investment opportunities for you, and, and not just talk about crypto, but everything outside of it as well. I mean, you were one of the one of the few players that back flow as your investment. How, how do you look at these deals, and how do you decide if if something is you know interesting enough for you to get involved? Well, on the crypto side, normally it's uh you know deal flow is kind of presented to me. Um, I kind of go through it a little bit, um, seeing what interests me, and if there's kind of something that is personally, you know, I guess cool to me, and then that's passed on. Then, then I guess a, a follow up, um, you know, when we talk about specifically crypto, what are some of the, you know, maybe not projects, but what are some of the trends that you're watching the most closely? I, in some interviews, you mentioned that you're watching DeFi as well, following Ethereum, Bitcoin. Um, is there anything specifically that you're really interested in when it comes to crypto? When it comes to crypto, I think. Uh, I would say probably the battle of the layer ones. You know what I mean? I, I do love DeFi and everything it's going to do. But I, I, the battle of the layer ones is very, very interesting to me. Obviously, Ethereum right now is a clear winner, but we all know Ethereum needs to scale. Um, and, and each other one has their kind of niche. Um, I decided to build Galaxy uh, on Hedera Hashgraph, which, you know, is technically not blockchain, um, but, you know, it's distributed ledger technology nonetheless. Um, and for me, their council and their somewhat centralization benefited me from a reputation risk perspective along with the technology being extremely robust and being the only was the chain with asynchronous byzantine fault tolerance like or like true asynchronous byzantine fault tolerance 
so you know those type of things interested me but remember some some people that are super deep into crypto are like anything with any levels of centralization is just the worst thing in the world and blah blah, blah. And, and so there, there is some tribalism there so it's, it's it's very interesting to see like what's going to win out at the end of the day because i'm of the mindset especially being in the in the industry that i am and, and seeing some of these higher levels of money and i'm talking like billions and, and power like this not i'm not talking about my pay grade at all um to to think that decentralization is just going to come and like sweep all those people under the rug and they're just going to you know roll over and take it it has been like i i love it it's great like it, it sounds great but you know i i know some of these people i i don't i don't i don't see them just doing that like i just i just don't so so i think that's probably one of the most interesting things for me outside of define everything that the technology is going to do for sure but but just the winners you know what i mean like and not from even a monetary perspective just seeing like what society chooses as a winner i I think human psychology is is probably the most interesting part that's really interesting and it's also one of the things that we're spending a lot of time thinking about like all these different trade-offs these layer ones make and and we're sort of analyzing them i actually just wanted to ask you like how do you get information about the space here like you're obviously very knowledgeable just knowing about like these different L1 designs and that sort of thing. Who are like the people you follow? Uh, like, do you spend time on, you know, crypto Twitter and that sort of thing? How do you get your information? Yeah. Um, I, I definitely uh, have spent time on crypto Twitter before I, you know, kind of got off uh, social media recently, but, um, I should, I follow Larry. Um, he knows that, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I follow, follow a couple different, uh, prominent people, but also just listening, you know, like I, I, Google podcasts and different talks. And, and I try to find people that people say are reputable and then listen to them a couple of times. And, you know, I never, I never try to listen to them once because anybody can have a bad day, but try to listen to them a couple of times. If I feel like the information that I'm kind of receiving is, is sound and solid and, and it are things I've kind of heard other, uh, other places before can kind of fact check. then I continue to listen. If it's stuff that kind of sounds a little bit too tinfoil hat, then I don't, you know what I mean? But, but it's just a, opening myself up to new ways of thinking and just trying to be as receptive as possible and, and continue to research in that, in, the, in that manner. I think the new wave of learning is kind of a YouTube-esque learning style. You know what I mean? That there's so much out there and, and really it's just about having the maturity to kind of filter it properly. And I, I think that's where the, the true secret to knowledge in today's age is. It's actually in the filter, not in the ability to receive or find. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Another question. So I kind of asked around before we talked to you, you know, to different people, what they would like to hear. And really the most common answer was just like the culture in the NBA when it comes to crypto. Like so many people were actually interested in like, you know, is this something that's sometimes discussed in locker rooms? And obviously we don't want any specifics, but but like, you know, is it something that's talked about or, or, you know, are you the outlier? Generally anything, you know, that you talked about with your teammates when it comes to crypto? Um, I definitely think where NBA overall is, is probably more so where I was in like 2017, you know, mm-hmm. th- there's been so much volatility and remember volatility isn't inherently bad. You know, I know a lot right. of people lose money, but at the bare minimum, it creates news, it creates attention. And, and so I think a lot of NBA players are warming up to like, so what is this whole Bitcoin thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, but, I mean, we're, we're getting so many texts, <laughs> like me and Mika right now from like friends exactly. that we haven't talked to in five years. So I can imagine, you know, for you, it's probably the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must be, you know, like, especially when others see, you know, the price come back to the all-time high level, even though it's not like a similar frothy bubble as it was in, you know, 2017. So that itself and use like sticking with the technology 
must give some people questions that, okay, maybe I should be interested in this. Yeah, no, 1000%. And, and so, you know, their, their interest kind of peaked and obviously with, with all the stuff going on across different markets and things and, you know, those experiencing volatility are experiencing kind of a down year in, in some different aspects and, and getting hammered during COVID and all this other stuff. It just opens people's eyes to other alternative uh, assets. And, um, you know, so I, I do get uh, some texts like, you know, uh, what is this whole Bitcoin thing? Maybe you weren't that crazy when you were talking about it. You know I'm saying a couple of years ago and whatnot. I'm like, man, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying not not being a crazy kid anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we know exactly how you feel. We get exactly the same thing. Uh, so so I guess another question is like, you know, obviously you got in really early in 2017. You rode the top and then you rode the bottom as well. But then, like, so many people actually quit quit the industry in, like, 2018, 2019. So, so like, what was something that actually made you stick and, like, make you think that, you know, this is all going to come back? Uh, it seems really crazy, especially when we were at the lows. Now it doesn't seem as crazy. But what was something that yeah. really, like, you know, made you stick? Well, well, like I said, it was the, it was the learning experience. So I was fortunate, right, when I, when I talk about riding the, riding the bubble up and then also riding it down, remember, Vegas gambling money, you put – well, obviously for my pay grade, so I don't want to, you know, sound too uh, bougie or anything, but you put, you know, some some thousands of dollars in and you ride it up and it goes, oh man, you know, it's over six figures and all this other stuff and you're hype. But also for me at that point in time, that's a ton of money, but it wasn't like life changing right. money. So right. then when it crashed and, you know, you're, you're just under six figures, but you're still kind of up from where you were and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, well, this is all cool, blah, blah. But then you do the research and you start to dive into it. And then, like I said, because it made sense and because I was fortunate enough to have a, a very well-paying day job and to not have gotten like hammered to the point where I had no money or anything like that, like I was still technically up, you know, I was just like, okay, well, one, we're going to let this ride because it's Vegas gambling money anyway. And you start investing more <laughs> money in, you know, and then, you, but, but also because it makes sense. And so I'm, I'm a person that when things make sense in my head and I truly, truly, truly believe in it, then I'm willing to sacrifice and go out on a limb and all the other stuff. You know, and, and that's kind of what kept me in it. And like I said, I, I spent my time trying to apply it to my industry. It wasn't me just saying like, oh, I'm going to throw all my money at Bitcoin, even though, you know, there's a school of thought that says I should have and I probably would have more money than I do right now anyway. But, you know, <laughs> if, if the if the app works and, and does what it needs to do, then it'll probably make me more money than Bitcoin ever could. Right. So right. It, it's, the, it's six of one half dozen of another, but it's all about kind of researching, understanding and then believing. Do you think that, uh, you know, obviously you're very public about all of this and you've mentioned in interviews that, you know, you're you're positive about Bitcoin. Are there NBA players that, you know, obviously want to stay on the private side, but they maybe feel similar as you? Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, like, you know, typically speaking, guys don't really want their investments uh, kind of blasted about unless they're doing it themselves. So it's not something I can really speak about for each individual. But yeah, there are some guys that, that definitely are into Bitcoin and, and I think it's, it's dope to see. I'm in it. Uh, I definitely have money in it. Um, I'm not an evangelist like some people where they think, oh, Bitcoin is the only thing that will ever do well. And obviously you can see that because I made my own token. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, but, but I do, I do believe in, in the entire space overall. So uh, can you give us a little bit, maybe more details about the Galaxy and the launch and, and, you know, what, what's the roadmap looking right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have a, a pretty robust uh, feature set on the subscription side. Remember I talked about, you know, paying, people for as something as small as like hey i want you to follow me on twitter you know and for a dollar something you know of that nature we're gonna be pretty uh feature robust i would say in, in q1 i would love to say february but i don't want to lock myself too down so i'll just say <laughs> q1 um yeah. and, and, and leave it there 
but yeah, I mean, so on that side, that utility kind of subscription side, and then as, as we know with securities, to spin all those up just takes a little bit of time. So as yeah. guys decide exactly what they want to secure, then, you know, we'll be able to do that. But when looking at the, the, the LOI list, I mean, should we have, it's just over 40, just over 50. I'd have to check again. I know it's over 60 million combined followers across social medias. And I know it's just over 400 million of uh, sports contracts loosely committed. Yes. And if I resign in the summer, then it'll be obviously even far more than that. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping to hit the half a billion target in sports contracts, uh, you know, in terms of LOI sign, like I said, over 60 million following combined. And then um, it's either 40 or 50 people. I, I really got to look. But yeah. Hey, and then I guess one quick follow-up question again about the app. So, you know, I again, so many people ask, but you mentioned in the Forbes interview that you're going to integrate Chainlink in some way. And, and obviously people are really passionate about Chainlink and, and we're asking, you know, what's your plan in integrating Chainlink and how that's going to work in the app? Yeah, no. So there's several ways that Chainlink is going to integrate into the app. Um, obviously, we know with the ability to get information in a decentralized manner and just, you know, continue to verify and trust it is super huge. Uh, one of the ways, actually, I think it's a cool little nugget. So, you know, um, anybody that plays video games. You, you have a rating, right? So I'm like an 80-something on 2K. Right. Uh, but my 80 is built up off of, like, let's call it a 90 in speed and then a 80 in agility and then a 90 in awareness or whatever it is, right? Well, you know, creating our kind of creator rating system based upon, like, kind of the things that they're doing or offering on platform and, and having the, the components of what builds up their rating be kind of attained in a, in a decentralized manner across uh, various, you know, uh, flows of information so that, that's one of the things that we're working on to kind of create like kind of true ratings throughout the the app it's pretty interesting i'm trying to explain it without giving it away but uh yeah that, that's one of the ways that Chainlink is working with us and, and i think it'll be super cool awesome when you start a process like this like it's a big undertaking building an app and a service like this like how do you get started from your position like what's the approach who do you talk to and like just setting up the development team and everything like that like What's the day-to-day -day process there like? And Ooh. what does your day-to-day -day involvement also look like there? Well, remember, so it's been over the course of uh, years, I would say, uh, I mean, number one, it was about kind of getting proof of concept through the door, right? I, I knew that with doing an undertaking like this, if you weren't going to put your own name on it, being who I was, how can I call myself a founder, but then be like, yeah, but I'm not going to put my contract on the blockchain and do this, that, or third, like, but I want you to do it first. So you knew first and foremost, I had to do that. Now, it was about, do you want to build the whole app first and then put yourself on it and then see if it works or see if it fails. And then, you know, maybe you're out of a bunch of money, but trying to approach this pragmatically and step-by-step step as possible. We decided to go with the, the contract first, you know, listen to the market, listen to the people, interact with the leagues. Once you kind of clear that, then you can set yourself up to build the entire app, you know, which obviously, you know, we're, we're doing and have been doing, you know, in presenting the layer ones, won a grant from Hedera, you know, help build out the uh, dev team, obviously. Um, in terms of building on their layer one. I mean, I would say that the most crucial hire through all of this was definitely the design team. I have a, the, our lead designer is a guy by the name of Chad. He, he's like the LeBron James of the team or the Kevin Durant team. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, like, without smooth user experience, none of this stuff matters. You know what I'm saying? And that was even yeah. something that, you know, was a piece that people didn't really love for, for my, my security. And I worked with a bunch of different partners. And granted, they had a better user experience than 90% of the tokens out there. And I work with Paxos and Securitize and various other partners and all that stuff to make my specific token uh, launch come to life. But my the investors, I, we got, what, eight or nine of them, 
uh, were like, hey, like that, that was pretty clunky to deal with. You know what I mean? Like it, it just, it wasn't, you know? And, and so that was, that was great feedback for us because obviously those weren't our rails, but these are our investors. And those are probably some repeat people that'll be in a, you know, let's say there's a Kevin Durant token that, you know, people would want to be in that as well. So, you know, want to make sure the user experience is as seamless and, and familiar as possible. You want the app to kind of have that social media feel to it almost, but, you know, you're just kind of interacting with, real money <laughs> but uh yeah so so that that's kind of how it, it just takes time you know the, this wasn't something where we attempted to boil the ocean overnight we tried to approach it very pragmatically you know and, and then go from there yeah so one last question about galaxy and then we'll jump into a few questions about the nba me and mika are obviously really interested in that as well uh but with galaxy you know so so what's your goal uh you said you know maybe launching q1 what would make you happy after launch what is your goal to reach with the app uh, you know is are you measuring it by the number of downloads or or you know by the revenue or like what what's your goal right now with with galaxy actually i have a pretty good i have a tweet today where it said you know 2020 was a break uh substack has turned fifty thousand paid subs patreon is valued at a billion only fans earned a 300 million in profit you know I want to be on that list with those. I'm going to be mentioning in that respect in the 2021 year. That's what we're coming for. We, we, want to, we want to have such a great, if we do, let's say we do launch in February or Q1 or whatever it is, we want to have such a great Q2, 3, and 4 that, you know, when they're talking about those other apps, they're like, man, like, Caxi came out and grabbed serious market share in the course of months. And I know it's pretty ambitious, but with the LOIs we have signed and like I said to any other app that can say right now they're still in stealth mode, but have 60 million aggregate social media followers that should convert over relatively seamlessly, hopefully right uh, to this app. Uh, and that doesn't mean that they're paying money, right? I'm just saying like in terms yeah. of watching their, their favorite person, like that, that's a, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Those are crazy yeah. numbers and, and our, you know, mine and, and my co-founders network just happens to be in the, the NBA and NFL space. So we were able to get those type of guys. But, you mm-hmm. know, it just really kind of it gives us a leg up in that situation. And so that's why I talk about user experience and all that stuff being smooth, because if we can really nail that down and, and people love interacting with uh, our product, there's no reason that we can't convert them and have them move over. And, and, and then you're talking a whole new ballgame. You know, if you even get, you know, 10 percent of that and you talk about six million people on the app, like you'd be one of the most powerful apps ever. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm not, once again, not talking about purchases because typically when we're talking about purchases, the conversion rate is like what 0.5 to 1.5% of your fan following or whatever it is. But just like eyeballs on platform or, or other things like that, I think, you know, we have a chance to do special things, especially because the, the marketing is, is kind of inherent, right? Like you have all these creators who have this big following and remember, if you want them to give you money, you kind of got to promote yourself. So it's on you to continue to push yourself to make more money. It's not going to be us, you know, taking out Super Bowl ads. It's going to be you saying, nah, guys, like I'm doing another stream or I'm doing another this, I'm doing another that. Like keep watching, keep interacting, keep, you know, spending your dollars here and whatnot. And so, you know, we, we just have a chance. You know what I mean? And I'm just hoping that we can capitalize on the chance. Right. The UX is something that, because crypto is so much, you know, about like sort of finance and tech nerds and, and then nothing has really been that mainstream yet. So that's something that I think was, I'm really looking forward to on Galaxy is, is just seeing what the UX is like. But at the end, I, we wanted to jump into a few of just like the NBA questions. And here, I think the obvious question is that you guys are now really a title contender. And looking at the preseason game, at least KD looked really great coming back from injury. How does that expectation 
that now you're expected to really compete for a title change like your approach to the season? Um, it, it doesn't really. And and the only reason why is because like I've been under guard for so long. I've been a guy that's had to work super hard just to get to, you know, the place that I'm in now and to even have a shot at staying in the league, let alone tracking the league. And then, um, you know, I, I think also having the same pragmatic approach I do the app wanting to be great but understanding the steps that it takes, I think allows you to have a chance to do special things. Now you have a new head coach, and obviously the atmosphere for you must have changed significantly, uh, and Steve Nash being there as well. What kinds of things changed since, since then? Like, how has, how has the, the coaching approach uh, been different? Well, I mean, obviously Steve is a, is a former player and super knowledgeable, two-time MVP, all that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I just love being able to pick his brain and try to learn from him. I would say that's my favorite part about uh, having Steve as a coach and, and being able to interact with uh, him on a day-to-day basis. How much has the dynamic changed since <laughs> there are no fans now? I mean, it must be super weird for someone like you who's, who's definitely like used to feeding off the energy. Um, and we've seen some like awkward stuff like yesterday, like artificial chance <laughs> when someone airballs. Um, so how has that changed the approach you know, for you and the experience of playing those games? Um, for for me, obviously, because I didn't go to the bubble, it was, it was definitely kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, sorry, you hear my son in the background right now, but uh, <laughs> it, it's definitely kind of weird having no fans in there, no energy. Hey, Papa, you gotta let me talk right now, all right? Um, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely it's definitely weird because uh, you don't have any fans in there, you don't feel up the energy. Um, and for me, that was my first time. Um, but being able to kind of get out there and, and and play with your guys, it's always a fun experience, regardless of you know kind of who's there, but we definitely wish the fans were there. We definitely wish everybody was back. Do you think, uh, you know, are you looking forward to when, when that happens? And then do you have any idea when, you know, everything returns to normal? Or are you still kind of, you know, similar to us, not knowing what's, what's going to happen? Oh, yeah, no. Nah. That's way above my pay grade. But I can't wait till they come back. I'll tell you that much. I can't wait. <laughs> Spencer, really appreciate you taking time and, and say hi to your son. Thank you for, you know, she wanted to talk to me, man. Like, it's never lost to me, so I just really appreciate it.